So yes, we are also excited because high school sports are back in action. Golf is already underway. Cross-country practice is taking place, seeing some of the local runners at area schools. And of course, football season is here and we're starting to get an idea of how the landscape may change in shape uh, this coming year. But I'm curious to get the thoughts of Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com momentarily just on the stupidity of the Baltimore Orioles suspending announcer Kevin Brown for comments that were deemed too negative towards the team. We played them earlier and they're up at Fast Lane at Lane on Twitter if you want to go check them out or listen to the podcast for our overall opinion on the fiasco of that and we compared it to why NASCAR and Legacy Motor Club needed to suspend Noah Gregson for his liking of a an insensitive meme about the George Floyd killing. But as it relates to the Baltimore Orioles, I mean it's amazing because dude, there's a level of nuance when criticizing and in a lot of cases, I hate to say we're spin doctors, but you try to put a positive touch on things. I don't like to spin it because it often means you're trying to misinterpret the facts. But putting a positive touch and couching something that may be factual but harsh with the optimistic tone. And we do that all the time when it comes especially to high school sports because they're not generally speaking getting paid. Or coaches even, they may be getting paid, but it's not like they're getting gargantuan six, seven-figure salaries or in some cases eight-figure salaries when it comes to the pros. Like It's just not that. And that's okay. But that's what's so amazing about this. So, Ben Cates, NewsAdvance.com, local sports reporter, gracious enough to join us. Ben, first of all, we hope you're well. Glad that we could reconnect with you after a couple of weeks. And yes, we'll talk some local sports in a moment. But you've been at this beat covering high school sports now for multiple years at Ben Cates 8 on Twitter and NewsAdvance.com. I couldn't help but think that we both had moments where we've been factual, not overly critical, but just you have to state the facts when a team is performing well versus not, and that by and large, unlike the Baltimore Orioles, who suspended their announcer Kevin Brown, most of the high school coaches, and frankly parents as well, and those affiliated with the program, if you're not literally slinging mud at them, they kind of understand and respect the job that you have to do, and that's what makes this whole situation in Baltimore even more absurd. Yeah, um, read. I was reading up uh, about that um, about that situation up there, um, and it's 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 pretty interesting. And 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 I know Baltimore has um, had in that organization. You know, you go back to some some of your listeners may remember John John Miller in the nineteen nineties was um, was um, broadcasting Orioles games and got fired because he was not. Um, he, he wouldn't be enough of a homer. Uh, he refused to be enough of a, a homer for them. So, um, kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, when it comes to to high school sports, I think the the kind of going idea that I've always embraced is that um, you tell the truth and you're factual, um, but you're not. You don't come down really hard on the kids, you know, necessarily, um, because a lot of you're talking about 15 to 18 year olds who many of whom have never um, been interviewed before and some of whom haven't played their sport before um, and so um, so there's always that balance between you you're you're always going to tell the truth but you're you there's no reason to drag an innocent kid through the mud um, that being said um, I you you stay on this beat um, for any amount of time and you will meet coaches who say when we mess up you better you, you better you better let people know, um, um, and we 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 expect you to let us have it when we mess up, and um, and so that's that's an encouraging thing too because coaches put up with a lot of criticism, 
Um, but they also know uh, from a media perspective that um, that when they that that when they underperform, um, they're going to hear about it. Um, and so that's just kind of the give and take uh, relationship media wise there. And, you know, it's interesting because, I, I mean, you've covered good teams and bad teams, and we'll get to some of your work on good teams and players as you've been putting out your all-area players from this past season at newsadvance.com. But you know, there are a lot of coaches out there. You mentioned the, the comment about coaches wanting you to be openly critical when things are going bad. Um, you know, I, I get the impression as well from a lot of coaches that they like it when we're transparent because it shows and motivates their team of, hey, if you don't perform, this is what's going to be said. But if you do perform, you can get the accolades, and that can go a little bit further towards being that extra motivation that, frankly, a lot of coaches and teams want to have. Yeah, you know, I think um, I'm, as I throughout the years have gone into schools and um, classrooms and um, locker rooms, um, you know, it's it's good to see when um, someone has put a clipping up of a good story that you've done, a feature story, a story on a kid or a program succeeding. It's really good to see. You also see um, bulletin board material, right, of, of um, here's here's what the newspaper had to say about us when we weren't at our best. So we're going to post this, and you, you guys better look at it and know that you can be better. Um, that's all, those, those are always good to see, too. Um, as far as, you know, what you're talking about with the factual stuff, I don't know if you want to go in this direction or not, but you're, you're gonna, you'd be hard-pressed to find a journalist who hasn't gotten his or her facts wrong at some point. It happens um, because we're human. Um, but, you know, I think any time that there is a mistake that gets made, um, there's always a chance to correct it and um, to put it out to the public to say, in a, in a very public way, to say, um, these facts were wrong and um, here they are presented correctly for you. Ben, that's a great point. And the fact that in a lot of cases, it may just be a small amount of data that gets popped up. Um, because, I mean, look, you're crunching numbers all the time in terms of, you know, let's just say for a football game, how many rushing yards a particular player might have. And you might have them down for 135, but the actual number was 131 or maybe 137. Mm-hmm. And, you know, technically it's factually incorrect. It may not really have much of an impact on the overall game story, but when you add that up over the volume of players, it's impossible to bat 1,000, and you're not doing it out of maliciousness so much as just the fact that you're trying to get as much information out there as possible, and you're human like everyone else. Yeah, you know, I mean, there there have been so many times where um, where I'm out on the on the football field or something, and I'll go to um, someone who's a scorer and say, you know, what do you have this kid down for rushing wise? Um, how many cat tackles do you have this kid for? Um, and our our numbers may be um, ballpark; they may not be exactly the same, um, but you know, we're also dealing with fields where sometimes there aren't hash marks so you're just kind of like you're kind of like looking around to make sure that you got it right and trying to do the math in your head really quickly because as a reporter you're also keep as a high school reporter you're also keeping your own stats um and trying to watch the game um so yeah you know um it 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 varies there here or there but what i always do is go back and check um, and coaches watch film, so they take stats down while they're watching film of a game that just happened. Um, so you 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 get a picture of of of, of what is correct, um, and 
sometimes that's a little higher or lower than the number that you may have had for a kid for rushing or, 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 or passing or something. Um, but you, you, you always get, get come, come to a, um, come to an understanding with that coach of, okay, th- this is, this is the accurate picture. Ben Cates, newsadvance.com. Ben Cates 8 is on Twitter uh, where you can add him. And it's appropriate we bring that up, Ben, because how much have people added you at Ben Cates 8 on Twitter just by the virtue of the fact that, you know, again, you're just stating the facts, but the VHSL continuing to allow transgender student athletes to compete. Is that one of those stories that anytime you bring it up, people are just going to mention you and at you on social media just because it's a hot button issue when it comes with the territory? You know, um, I haven't delved too deeply into that issue personally yet. Um, we have um, run um, stories from other um, sister papers about that issue. I personally have not um, had the opportunity to write much about it yet, so I haven't gotten the amount of feedback that maybe that you would expect on something like that. But that it, it is a growing issue, um, and it is um, – something that I think um, will eventually um, we'll, we'll start seeing um, more and more um, transgender athletes um, throughout the state um, um, competing and then then it becomes an issue locally right um, and then you can you can you can highlight a kid um, or um, get reaction um, to to that issue so like other issues that have come up um, with the VHSL in the in my tenure I expect it to be something that um, will gain local traction um throughout um throughout the coming years ben as you continue to deal with a lot of those challenging stories how much has it helped refresh you as you prepare for the start of the high school football season and fall sports have gotten underway but high school football in particular is really when the new year kicks off in you know two and a half weeks for regular season games benefit games in about a week and a half to be able to put together all of the all-area, not only teams, but player profiles that you are doing an excellent job with at newsadvance.com. It's, it's, um, it's always a, um, a fun on some level. It's challenging on others. Um, we used to um, do that um, by, by season. So at the, end of fall, uh, at the end of the fall, we would put out the fall athletes of the year. The past few couple of years, um, um, we have done them all in a row. So we've done them during the summer as a series um, from fall, winter, and spring. And um, it's sometimes challenging um, to get kids in and to um, find the time to, to complete those projects. But it's also been um, something that I think um, the public has, has enjoyed. Um, and, um, you know, you, you, you get a lot of names out there. You kind of refresh people's memories of what of what happened um during those seasons and um and you you try your best to get to honor the best kids that you possibly can um and so i think it's something that um it's really it's it's really good for the kids especially the athletes of the year to be um to come in and get their portrait made and and you know to 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 be um honor to be recognized because um, I think that's pretty important from a local sports perspective. Well, we recognize you and your work, Ben, from newsadvance.com and as we always keep up with you at Ben Cates 8 on Twitter. Thank you for your time today in the fast lane. You're off next week refreshing before the start of the high school football season really gets underway. Well, next Friday with the benefit games and then the following Friday, the 25th, with the regular season. We will catch up with you a couple days before the 25th, two weeks from today, Tuesday, the 8th of August, We'll catch up with you on the 22nd, and we look forward to looking ahead to the start of the football season when we chat in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, thank you for your time today in the Fast Lane. 
Look forward to it, Ed. We'll get down to it uh, with football season then, and I appreciate it as always. Indeed. Ben Cates with us here in the Fast Lane. From one set of local sports to another, and yes, some more absurdity as well, all littered throughout the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. You might or might not be familiar with Christian Worst, who is the former Liberty Flames tennis player, now an assistant coach at LU. He will be representing his home country, South Africa, in the 2023 Davis Cup. Uh, it's group three play. This is not the highest end of the Davis Cup, but it's still a really prestigious tournament in terms of tennis. Now, most of these types of cups take place starting in the latter part of September as well as October, November, and December. Once we get through the U.S. Open hardcourt season, which runs through the beginning of the NFL season. Uh, but it's still cool. I mean, Liberty's got a tennis player. It speaks to the strength of their program that they've not only put together a player, but have a coach of this caliber that can compete in an event like the Davis Cup. And while it is not the most high-end part of the Davis Cup, still, you're not a slouch if you qualify for that. And it is a cool and worthwhile story. Number four. Legacy Motor Club signing two-time 24-hour of Le Mans winner Rocky Rockenfeller, Mike Rockenfeller of Germany to drive the number 42 in place of Noah Gregson at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the road course race this upcoming weekend. He'll also be racing August 20th at Watkins Glen. Um, Look, if you're going to get rid of Noah Gregson, who's underperformed, this is a smart strategy from Legacy Motor Club. Just give a flyer to a guy that might be able to get you a victory. And while you're not going to compete and qualify in all likelihood for the driver portion of the championship, unless Eric Jones can continue to have a surge like he did, top five finish at Michigan yesterday, or winning a Daytona in the regular season finale in a couple of weeks, this is a smart move for Legacy Motor Club to fill this ride with somebody who can at least get them maybe a win or a good finish, better time, and showcase what you could do going forward. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if a team like Legacy Motor Club tries to bring someone like Rockefeller on a little bit longer if he shows out well for next year because you're filling these voids. Whether it's Shane Van Gisbergen coming in or Rockefeller as well, you've got more road races and more street course races in NASCAR. You win one of those, you qualify for the playoffs, and it can change the trajectory of an organization. And it's a way for some of these lower-funded teams to game the system in a fairly reasonable and good way. Number three. ACC presidents, according to Pete Dammel, veteran college football reporter, met this morning for an exploratory call on adding Cal and Stanford. No vote was taken. That was expected. But the league is, quote, still evaluating, end quote, the decision. I just laugh about the idea of Cal and Stanford in the ACC as though they bring any type of real hardcore passionate fan interest, geographic symmetry, or anything other than being good in non-football revenue generating sports. Uh, Curious what Bob Rathman, veteran ACC broadcaster, will say when he joins us in a couple of minutes around 545 today here in the fast lane. But I mean, who's shocked by this? This is the road that we're going down in conference realignment. Does it make sense? No. But then again, what if any of this does, including number two, the two ACC teams have been denied waivers. North Carolina with wide receiver Tez Walker and Florida State with defensive tackle Daryl Jackson both denied waivers. And yes, Jackson transfers to Florida State from Miami, and I'd love for him to have stayed at the U instead of going to FSU to play there. But realistically, the NCAA is granting waivers for pretty much everybody. Now you're going to subjectively just say, why would we grant a waiver to these two players? This is why everyone has looked to break off from the NCAA and no one trusts 
their authority and decision making because literally of these nonsensical rules like we see right now. And number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. Malik Willis, the second string quarterback on the Tennessee Titans initial depth chart with rookie QB Will Levis coming in at third. I'd say good news for Malik Willis because plenty of people thought he might end up being cut after this season. But the truth is, there's still a long way to go in the preseason, including three preseason games. Can Malik Willis orchestrate a drive better than he did in the preseason game last year where he was pulled mid-drive? Can he do more than what he was asked in that game where Tennessee somehow stayed competitive at Kansas City despite Malik Willis throwing for under 100 yards? I think he's got the mental desire and willingness to do it, but... You know, he's taken a step in the right direction. This is confirmation of that. But I would hold my horses on more than that because there are still three season, three preseason games and lots more evidence markers that could still arise. And there is your Fast Five at five is Speaking of nonsensical things in college sports, which pretty much is everything right now, Bob Rathman, veteran ACC broadcaster, will share his takes next here in the Fast Lane. 